Welcome to the Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's Word and discusses its influence on our lives and worldview. My name is Will Hawkins, and alongside me are my good friends Jeff Amstutz. Hey, everybody. And Robert Greer. Good evening. Okay, last episode we discussed chapter 4, The Authority of Scripture, from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. During that episode was we summarized that God is authoritative, Scripture is the Word of God, and therefore Scripture is authoritative. Today, what we're going to do is further that, that discussion by moving into chapter 6, The Clarity of Scripture. Is the Bible difficult to understand? Can only Bible scholars understand the Scripture correctly? Those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today. However, this week some really cool things have happened. So Robert Greer over here closed on his house. That happened last Monday. A round of applause for that. And then on Friday, what happened, Rob? Your boy got engaged. (laughs) That's so cool. Really good stuff. And then because Rob got engaged, we had one of our good friends, Rob Rust, come down from Kentucky and surprised him and he's actually sitting with us right now what's up rob yo yo (laughs) (laughs) so man yeah we've we all mutual friends we were talking in the car on the way over here and it was seven about seven years ago was that 2014 i think seven years ago yeah Mm -hmm. that blew my mind robert greer introduced us Yes. (laughs) So we met at Texas State in college, um, did college ministry together, uh, same church for so many years until he, until he moved and man, just really good friendship. So we can talk about that more and for hours, but yeah, dude, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you real quick, just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, yeah, my wife and I are currently living in Louisville, Kentucky, attending Southern, Mm -hmm. the Southern seminary, uh, Southern Baptist seminary. And, um, I'm getting my master's of divinity and she is getting a master's in biblical counseling. Um, and like you said, we've been best friends for, I don't know how long, seven years, I guess. Best man in my wedding, yeah. along with Robert Greer. Yeah. yeah, baby. And same for these two guys. They've been best men at my wedding. So, <laughs> Rob, look okay. at, wink, wink. We're looking. And I'm here too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. yeah. Well, and then, so you also, like like us three, you've done the Austin Stone Development Program. Right. And you Rob did that with Rob. Together. Yeah. Yep. That was yeah. a great experience where we were first introduced to Wayne Grudem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, definitely. So what's cool about today is that we're going through the clarity of scripture. And like I said, one of the questions I just said, can only Bible scholars, people who go to school to learn scripture and to learn theology and study this for a living, can they, is it just them who can understand the Bible and scripture correctly? So it's really cool to have you here, someone who's currently in school going for that along with your wife. Almost seems like the Lord like worked it all out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is timing. This is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So you're going to have some really great insight and we're excited that you're here. So yeah, what we want to walk away with today is that for those who ask God for help and want to follow it, scripture is absolutely clear. Okay. So you guys ready to jump into this? Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's rock, baby. Before we get into that doctrine summary and then our ultimately our discussion, let's do a quick warm up. How have you experienced God's truth this week? Well, (laughs) yeah. Where do I begin? (laughs) No, I I just experienced God's grace this week by getting engaged, you know, to the love of my life. And I'm super excited to finish out the the 
the planning for the wedding, getting everything in order for that time next year in 2022, and just seeing our family, our friends come together, everybody being able to come mm. celebrate us, but also just see the goodness of, of the Lord on display and us becoming one flesh. So looking forward to that. That's great. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm leading a cohort through ASDP right now. Mm -hmm. And on Sunday, my guys, I decided to do a little fake assessment, took one of the the case studies of like, hey, you've encountered this person who's struggling with this doctrine. And I took on the character and we just talked through it and had them pastor me and uh, pushed a lot of their buttons and found some blind spots. And uh, for me, the, the big thing... Um, that I, I love to see how the Holy Spirit just pushed through those guys to have their their weaknesses kind of melt away as they were like pastoring me, which is really cool. Is things like I didn't expect from you know a quiet guy in my cohort really just hand me some truth, and it was just really really cool uh, to see God work through that moment. And that was like a practice run, yeah. Because you know I was a fake person, but <laughs> these are the things that edify us to be prepared when we do encounter people who are looking for God. How about you, Rob? Uh, um, I honestly think this week, uh, I've been reminded of the sweetness of God's provision for me throughout my walk with him. I mean, over and over and over again, God has provided in ways that I can't even begin to understand. And every single time he has brought me through Uh, a struggle or a hardship or a time of difficulty in my life and just provided what I, what I needed when I needed it. And it's just been so sweet to look back and remember how good God has been to me. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's nice. Yeah. Truth for me would be that God desires community for us as believers. So many instances of that, but I, at the beginning of the week, I was in a funk. I wasn't in a good place I'd say I know I texted you Rob Greer and we talked about it over feeling overwhelmed with a bunch of things just I guess it's one of those things where it's just too much on the plate so God's working with me on that but yeah work multiple side projects a bunch of other things all of all of them are good things but they all of it I think the weight of it hit me at the beginning of the week and I felt really down and it was it it lasted for a couple days but if I wasn't embedded in Christian community if I didn't have the regular rhythms where I talked and met with other believers to be encouraged um, regularly, I would be alone in what I was going through. It'd be a much tougher time and I would be some pride that would come up because I would think that I'd be able to strong arm myself into health. I would have not been okay. So yeah, started last week in a really low place. And then what at God's goodness and grace, by the end of the week, I'm over there celebrating with Rob and a bunch of friends and his family, something super joyous and beautiful. So it was really sweet to just see and reflect on that the, uh, yesterday and today, how I, how I started in the week and how community helped me get through it. And then at the end of the week, I'm sitting there celebrating with community and my closest friends on something like my, so seeing my best friend get engaged. Yeah, like rejoicing with those who are rejoicing has yeah. a, a, it's a two-way street, you know, it helps, mm-hmm. helps us as much as we get to celebrate the person who is celebrating. That's yeah. awesome, dude. So uh, it's just community, man. It just really emphasizes the importance of it and how much I need it and how much we need it. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Why don't you give us a summary, Rob? Got you. So quick definition of the clarity of scripture. The clarity of scripture is that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it, seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. 
the four main points from this chapter entirely is the Bible frequently affirms its own clarity, number one. Number two, there are moral and spiritual qualities needed for correct interpretation. Number three, people still misunderstand scripture, both historically and today. And then number four, scholars still have helpful roles. Some of those being they can teach clearly, they can explore new areas of mis, or excuse me, explore new areas of understanding, and they can also defend attacks on scripture from other scholars. The main summary in wrapping up this entire um, chapter is that the doctrine is ultimately about God's revelation as plain truth, that if you seek him earnestly, he gladly shows himself to you. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, and the clarity of scriptures said to be that even the simple can understand it rightly and be made wise by it. So in light of this chapter, how might someone challenge this doctrine? Yeah, there's there's an interesting thing that Halemsa, when he was teaching on this in ASDP this past week, uh, he's a pastor of theology, Theoston Stone. He, he brought up that this doctrine uh, has been explicitly written about almost as a repenting of the church from thinking that scripture should only be handled by specific special people. And so, you know, with the Reformation, um, with, with Martin Luther saying, hey, we need to get scripture in the hands of people and people need to put their own eyeballs on it. It's not just for leaders in the church that that's like been a big turn away from this. This actually isn't what scripture says. Scripture says everyone should be drinking in this truth. And so the church got that wrong for a while. And that's not scripture's fault. That's the church's fault. Yeah. I, I hinted towards this the other week where I mentioned Matthew 4, 4, where Jesus says, every man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so when you read that verse, that literally is saying that every word of scripture is for everybody. And that by taking that away from everyone and basically saying only certain people who have the degree for reading scripture and, and interpreting it is it's pushing away the opportunity for people to know who God is. And so that's not what the scripture is intended for. And so I just wanted to just echo that because I think it's important that people, including myself, just realize that all of that is, is intended for everybody. Hmm. Yeah. So then we, I mean, we see a lot of the differences in denominations, um, different beliefs and doctrines, things like that. Why is that the case? If scripture is clear, why do we see a lot of these differences within the church, the body of the church? Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with the way that we misunderstand scripture. We may read the same verse, but my interpretation might be different than your interpretation, but we could actually both misunderstand the truth of the scripture. And so if I believe that this verse says this and you believe that the verse actually says that, but God actually means this, then we kind of break apart and we form our own denominations. And so I think that's actually where our denominations come from, is just a disagreement on what scripture means. And therefore that means that we can no longer be a part of the same church. Do you think it's just the kind of the borderline, the surrounding thoughts or ideas, beliefs, where the core might be pretty similar across all of them? Do you think Right. How do you think I of that? I think there is, um, there is core truths throughout time that the Christian church has always professed. Uh, we profess in Christ as our Savior. That's a core truth throughout time. We might disagree on the odds and ends, but like 
the core of what we believe as Christians remains the same. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think ultimately unites us is the fact that Christ is our savior. Yeah, there's a there's a really interesting evaluation of of different Protestant denominations, especially where the differences between two denominations might be really just the fringes on the edge. And because any of those differences exist at all, people hyper-focus on that and say, oh, something's not clear. And they they fail to see all of the things that are in huge agreement, uh, the, the really core things. And so the existence of two sinful people approaching scripture with their own baggage who read a verse and are working through their own personal sanctification or becoming like Christ. And, you know, like you said, Rob, uh, read the same verse and come to different conclusions. Scripture isn't saying anything different. It's us having these different viewpoints that is really what's at odds. And so there are some, there's some things that are just so clear. It's just like, like you were saying, Christ is the way back to God, period. It's really hard to read through scripture and want to faithfully seek God, faithfully understand what it is saying and come to a different conclusion. There's so much that says it's only through Christ. It's Christ alone. And so that's a really easy one to agree on. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we started recording, uh, you know, Rob, you brought up baptism, like baptizing uh, babies versus baptizing uh, adults, you know, people who are deciding for themselves to be baptized. We don't have clear scripture that's like, this is what the conclusion ought to be. And so in light of that, uh, we have some differences on that. That's that's still agreeing on like baptism is symbolically saying my life is submitted to Christ. It is because of the Holy Spirit's, you know, be living in you that that you are able to turn away from sin. Like there's all these things that that come out of that. But then because there's this point at which two people disagree, like people will use that as an argument to throw the whole thing out. I'll just not read the Bible at all because two people disagreed on some really fine point. Yeah. So what do we, what do we do with that? When you have two, two people disagreeing on something, are we trying to say one person is right or what, what do we do? What do we ultimately do with that at the end of the day? If we're trying to come to a right conclusion of scripture, but two people are in disagreement. I think, you know, as I think about how I'd answer that question, I think at the end of the day, we just have to remember it's not up to us to change that person's heart. You know, we can't we can't force them to to believe something about God. At the end of the day, it's something that God has to do within them in order for them to understand not only him, but something about themselves. Yes, of course we want them to understand something or have clarity on the scripture or specific verse, but if they don't understand it at the end of the day, like we can't we can't beat ourselves up for that. You know, we can only tell them the truth. And hope that the Holy Spirit does a work in them to understand what that verse is telling them and how they should respond to it. Yeah, I could even see the flip side of that too. Continuously praying that when, as we're reading the scripture and we're having conversations with somebody, we might be seeing something incorrectly, right? Yeah, there's a lot of personal connection to tradition. Like, I grew up in this church and this is how we do things. It's Mm. really hard without personally studying scripture, theology, putting your eyeballs on the Bible yourself, coming to your own conclusions. Those conclusions, again, being uh, the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. We're not saying people go and figure out for themselves what's right, um, like it's their own work. But there's a lot of people who will say, my church did something this way, and they will hold that far too tight as, well, that's just what the Bible says, even though they don't actually know what the Bible says. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a dangerous place to be. 
to assert things that the Bible doesn't actually assert. Right. We want to always remember to be biblical rather than traditional. Right. Amen. I think too, one thing just to kind of go off what you just said, Jeff, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think about when, like, if you grew up in the church and it was something your family did, a lot of times you just follow tradition or follow what your parents did. It was never something personal to you. Right. And so I think here the same thing applies. It's like, you go to the scriptures, ask God for help and understanding of what it is that you're reading so that he may reveal to you why that is true or what that means for you or what you want to know about him. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, I've regularly used this tagline. I really need to cite it because I didn't invent it, but I use this tagline all the time. The gospel can be very difficult, but it is not complicated. You, you do say that. A lot. Yeah. And then I go and read and it's talking about, I think it's Paul and, and it's, I might be saying it wrong, but how it's his, his scriptures are hard, are difficult to yeah. understand. Peter so says yeah, that, Peter, about, Peter says that about Paul. Yeah. And so it's like, I read that, but then I hear you say that. Remember I said that the gospel, I've also, um, need to cite this as well. Uh, not my words, but the gospel is very straightforward. The Bible, I think, is as long as it is because the human sinful heart has so many ways it wants to resist. Like, why do you need all of this narrative to convince you that Jesus is Lord and that you ought to submit your life to him? Well, because you want to come up with every excuse you can to figure out how you can come up with technicalities to not follow Jesus. Why was Paul saying all that stuff all the mm -hmm. time? Because there were people saying, ah, man, Jesus, do you still need to be a Jew? You know, did he really fulfill all the Old Testament, you know, sacrificial system? It's, it's like, no, Jesus did. You just don't want to take it at face value. So we got to dive into the details. You know, that's, <laughs> it's just, a, it's there because of people resisting submitting their life to Christ. Yeah. He rode a donkey, not a horse <laughs> or a colt. <laughs> Whatever word you want to put on it. Yeah. Yeah. Not the point. Right. It seems like some people will always need another sign. They've been given the prophets. They've been given the New Testament. They've been given Jesus being raised from the dead. But yet none of that is good enough. They need God to appear in their bedroom in the middle of the night to uh, arrive to the same conclusion that Jesus says you can arrive to if you just read the scriptures. But he's also very clear that you've been given all you need, and therefore those things won't happen the way you want them to. And what blows my mind is you read the Gospels, and there are people that saw Jesus in the flesh perform miracles and still walked away and right. didn't submit their life to him and believe in him. And still murdered him on a cross. Yeah, yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's super interesting to think about the fact that the disciples followed Jesus around, lived with him constantly for three years, <laughs> but also the Pharisees followed him around and lived with him for three years. Yeah. And yet they wanted to murder him. Yeah. And it's actually the same narrative as even a bulk of the Old Testament of like, what does God do constantly with the prophets? Do you not remember that yes. I am your God? Do you not remember what I have done for you? I'm the one who led you out of Egypt and all you do is turn away over and over again. Like... I'm not going to do another big thing and suddenly you're going to be like, okay, we're good forever. It's going to, it's the sinful heart coming in every time. Thank goodness for Christ because Amen. that's the only thing that can actually deal with our sinful hearts. Yeah. I think that 
the revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. It is crazy to think that Jesus was walking around with the disciples daily, teaching them, talking to them. He literally was telling them the Son of Man must be crucified, yet they still didn't understand. When he appeared after his resurrection, when they were in the tabernacle room, he then explained everything and they had understanding. So the understanding comes from Jesus revealing it to us through the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That, that to me sets up, you know, thinking about the letters to Timothy about warnings about false prophets and false teachers and, uh, because we we are asserting that this revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. Well, that m- measurement, we how do you benchmark? How do you know something came from the Holy Spirit or not? And what do we get is people uh, who have heresy uh, that absolutely preach things that are contrary to Scripture, but claim it's of God, it's of the Holy Spirit. And that's really troubling when you think about the clarity of Scripture, because uh, if, if you don't read it for yourself, you can't tell. You're just like, Oh, that, that guy sounds great. I'll just listen to him. And, and you don't know you're being misled because you yourself haven't read the scriptures. You haven't prayed through scripture. You haven't, uh, had the Holy spirit reveal himself to you. So you don't know what, who he is. And if you don't know who he is, you can't know who is disagreeing with him right? and lying to you about it. I think that is very clear in our current culture because right now I feel like we all get our COVID information from one source or another. And it somehow it makes us all think that we're experts or we know everything. But if I'm reading one source of information and they're feeding me lies, then I may be completely deluded. You just can't, you can't know. Yeah, exactly. And You're, so yeah. unless I actually do the research and unless I actually go to the sources of any kind of medical research or documentation or whatever it is, and I read the information for myself, I'm just spitting whatever truth that I'm hearing. And that could be completely false. Right. And it's very true with scripture. I could take in every word of a teacher and go out into the streets and declare whatever he has told me. And it can be completely contradictory to the Bible. So this doctrine is not saying there's the doctrine of the clarity of self-declared prophets. Mm -hmm. There's the doctrine of the clarity of scripture. So scripture is clear. When you read it, you'll absolutely come to know the person of Christ, what he is like, who he is. And therefore when people disagree with them, you'll know. Yeah. It's not, Go, go find someone you like and then benchmark mm. everything else off that because that's, that's a moving target. It's a sinful person who potentially out for themselves, for their own gain, to profit for themselves instead of for the kingdom. Uh, and you can't, you just can't know without scripture. Yeah, and something that, that kind of was really cool for me to think about with your point is not being alone in this. I think this scripture has a huge implication for community. Yeah. Because if I'm going to scripture and I'm reading it and then I'm trying to do it in a way that's going to glorify the Lord and I'm trying to get to know him and build that relationship and an understanding of him and his character and his commandments, what he wants from my life. And I have brothers and sisters who are also doing that same thing. And then we're coming together and being able to actually speak about that. I can be corrected on 
wrong interpretation. I can do the same thing with them. They can encourage me in the truth. That's why I think it's so powerful that this has been given to all of us. Yeah. And that, that to me shows God's character that he does want us all to be able to read this and understand it. Yeah. Because it's not, it, it's not going to be held by one person and then given out to us like it was in the past. We have this now, and then I think community is, is a huge result of that now, too. Yeah, this is, reminds me of, I don't want to call it a pet peeve, but I have a pet peeve. When Bible studies... Did I trigger your pet no, peeve? No, 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 no. Um, Dang it, Will. <laughs> when, oh, I'd say, I, I worry about triggering your pet no, peeve. No, 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 no. Um, when, when there are Bible studies that get really excited about reading a book from some author about the Bible instead of reading the Bible. Mm. Other books can be helpful. I, it can be really helpful. They are secondary to scripture itself. And so I'd say reach for another book after you've already reached for your Bible. And and when you get it in that order, you won't these. Okay. There are some really gifted teachers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've been enjoying John Piper's book, Providence and I would not go read that and say, well, it's the same as if I had read the whole Bible because John <laughs> Piper's telling me about it. It's like, no, um, I should go read the whole Bible for myself that I'm also working on in parallel to that. And then when I go back and read John Piper, it helps me understand the things I've already read versus the other way around to say, oh, I just, I really like John Piper. He's really great. Um, I guess I don't need to read the Bible. Mm-mm. No, the Bible is what's clear. And John Piper, Piper can be a catalyst to make it clearer for me. but it is not actual scripture. Yeah. I mean, John Piper knows that his book of Providence is what it is because of the scriptures, right? Like his source or primary source is God's word itself. And so what God has revealed to him through his Holy spirit, he is now able to teach that to other people clearly explain what the clarity of scripture is explaining. Yeah. So, that's why I love JP. I have that book too. By yeah. The way. And, and thank, <laughs> and thank the Lord and thank the Holy spirit for putting what you just said in John Piper's mind. He would say that same thing about his own writings. Yeah. And that's, that to me is like, cool. The Holy spirit really works through him because he's just wants us get our eyeballs on scripture. And he's like, hope you didn't miss this. Let me help guide you through what scripture, not my own thoughts about the world. Yeah. Yeah. We hinted towards it too, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about not adding to or taking away from scripture, right? Yeah. That doesn't make it clear, right? When you add to it, you are also adding to what God's already said, what you think is true, which he hasn't already said. Right. And so that in, in and of itself is what we mentioned earlier, heresy. I mean, Grudem even in the last section of this chapter uh, talks about the role of scholars. Like there's still yeah. a massively helpful role for scholars in the church to edify people, to help them with their clarity of understanding for when issues come up in culture, like how do, how do they get addressed? These, these things are very helpful still. We don't throw them out. We just never say they're the same thing as scripture. Yeah. Rob, uh, Rob Rust, <laughs> um, you know, with what you're currently doing with school and everything, what, where do you sit in this? that you're going to school, you're in seminary and we're, we're able to read scripture and say that it's for everybody that you don't need the degree, but yet there's still an important role for those who get that. Right. First, I think it's important to acknowledge how crazy is it that I am 
on this one time and it is about scholarly people and I'm currently attending a seminary. Like I, that's just amazing. <laughs> it's awesome. But I, I, I totally understand the role of scholars because there are way smarter people than me out there and they have done way more work than I have ever comprehended to do when it comes to inter like interpreting the, the Greek and the Hebrew. And, um, just the fact that we have our fathers of the faith, such as Polycarp and Aquinas, and they have studied them to the depths that you can study them. And they have learned from them and grown from them. And they then can take that into another context, such as a debate on stage where they're talking with another atheist and we have the ability to watch them and we can see them defend the faith hmm. uh, to the rest of the world. Um, I think they have a unique role in that environment that um, just a, a, like a normal person attending a church doesn't really fulfill. We can do that in a limited basis with our non-believing friends we can defend our faith and we can explain the gospel and talk about the truths of scripture to our non-believing friends in a way that may produce faith in them through the spirit. But on a grander scale, such as um, defending like John Piper, I mean, he's on a completely different level and we don't know the massive amount of work that he's done for Christ in the world because he has studied and learned and, and he writes nonstop, it seems like. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, he's been gifted in ways that we haven't explored, I guess, or we're not, you know, but, um, I think scholars are very important, but you don't have to be a scholar to know the Bible. I think the Bible is simple. I think there's I think there's something very sweet about a farmer in the middle of Texas who doesn't attend a seminary, but loves his family very, very well, loves the Lord as much as he possibly can, and believes fully that Jesus died for his sins. And there's something sweet about the like simplicity of that gospel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you can find that across across the country, across the world, that all these people with different languages and cultures who have access to the word and they read it, you can come together and meet and a lot. You will align on a lot of things that right. you would hope to, if, I mean, with spirit led, obviously. So yeah, Rob, with you finishing seminary and then in light of this doctrine, how do you feel like that changes or will change your relationship with God? Even right now, as you're going through seminary, how does this affect your relationship? This, this truth? Earlier, Jeff was saying that one of his pet peeves is when people go to extra resources other than the Bible. And I think me going through seminary right now, I have access to some of the world's foremost leaders in, in theological thinking. And I honestly can have a tendency to think of a problem in my life or have some sort of situation pop up. And my first thought is, did Piper write a book on this or did... Mm -hmm. Um, what does Shriner say about this or what does Muller think or whatever it is? I, I have a tendency to say, Hmm, I wonder what these great scholars and thinkers think when honestly, the simplest thing I can do is pull out 
the Bible and try and find out what the Bible says about it because all of their information and all of their exegesis is a word Grudem uses. All of their exegesis is going to come from the scriptures. And so if they're pulling gold out of the scriptures, I probably can pull some out too. That will actually be super helpful. And I think that in the future, I, I just, I really want to promote the simplicity of the gospel. I think that it's, it is made for the simple and I think that it shouldn't be any more difficult than reading the word and trying to apply it to your life as best you can by the power of the spirit. Yeah. Meditating on it, on it daily. Right. Getting that truth. How about, how about you guys? How does this affect your everyday relationship or changed your everyday relationship with God? Yeah. For me, a big one, uh, is worshiping, uh, like singing song at church or something to just sing it without abandon. There's just trust that like the Holy spirit is expressing things to the father that I am imperfectly even thinking in my own mind, knowing that my heart is absolutely submitted to Christ to say, God, I want all of this that I'm singing to be true, even though I don't even know the depths of what I'm singing sometimes. Cause sometimes there are <laughs> lyrics in these songs. They're just so intense. Uh, but the point is the clarity of scripture is like, I know these words I'm singing are biblically sound. And so I'm just going to trust that and go with it. I'm not going to just overthink my worship of Jesus, my worship of God. Just, just let it, let it go. Let it out. That's good. I would just say that when it comes to this doctrine, it's important for me personally to just know that God has revealed himself to me in such a way that I can trust that what he has revealed to me is good enough for me to be sustained in my faith with him. And so I just think like when, when, the, when the words of scripture says that I have been sealed for the day of redemption, that means that I can trust that the work that God has done in my life when he chose to reveal himself to me, that that day, whenever he comes back, when Jesus comes back, I'm going to go with him. I'm sealed until he comes back. And so I just think kind of to echo what you're saying, Jeff, trusting the Lord with what he's already shown me and not allowing my emotions or my circumstances to dictate how I should respond. Does that make sense? So absolutely. It's, it's just having faith, you know? Yeah. And when that faith can almost catch the slack of our own mind, like sometimes it's like, man, this, this doctrine's really hard. Like, man, elections is difficult to like wrap my head around, you know, limited atonement and limited atonement, whatever side you land on, just it's okay that what needed to be revealed to me is, mm. and those details are not the most important thing in the world for my walk with Christ. They're good to consider, to consider deeply, to really press in, uh, in our understanding, but then to accept the when I'm at the end of my current rope of understanding to like be okay with that. Would you, would you say that when a believer gets into wanting to get into those, those, the depths of those conversations and those topics like election, Trinity, things like that, that, that is a progression of their growth in, in their faith. Yeah. I'd say actually, I would, I would think of it as a progression of when does my trust in Christ? When does my trust in God depend on the extent of my understanding. So there are, there are points that it's like, man, I, I'm okay with not getting this. 
fully right now. That's not saying, I guess I'm done for the rest of my life studying this. Mm. Um, it's just like, there's, there's a point that's like, okay, this is the best I can do right now. And that my faith. So where, where I'm placing my trust is still super strong and not dependent on, I got to get to that final answer. And of course, there's also the times that I think I'm at the final answer and uh, then I'm actually not, you know, get, getting humbled in the future to be like, oh man, I guess I really didn't understand that passage, that collection of passages or something. Um, because the, I feel like the more immature Christian, uh, so the, the much newer Christian will think that I have to have a settled opinion on whatever issue before, for, before I can be saved, quote unquote, mm, you know, that's a good, and good distinction. It's almost like there's this, uh, let me be really clear here. There is some clear understanding about Christ and his taking on of your sin and his resurrection being the empowerment to walk away. There's some basic stuff that you do have to understand to be saved, but there's a lot of stuff that, um, you're going to grow in. But when you stop being like, am I saved? Cause I didn't know that Mm -hmm. detail of that doctrine. Mm. That's when you're maturing. That's when your spirit's like, yeah, I have you. Oh, the Holy yeah. Spirit's like, I've got you, Greg. I've been there plenty of times <laughs> in my too. life. <laughs> you know, I struggle with that so hard because I feel like my salvation is dependent on how much I believe in God or like if, if I have the right doctrine of God or not, do I, if I don't believe this, does that mean I'm not saved? And that's just not true at all. Like God understands that we are but grass and breath and so fleeting and passing and we just can't comprehend who he is or what he does or how he does it or why he does it. And so there's just so many times though that I'm debating some kind of theological idea that I start to question, Elm, I don't think I'm saved right now. What the heck? But I totally am because it's a guaranteed promise from the Lord that if you believe in him and trust in his name, you will be saved. Guaranteed, period. But you also have to turn to scripture to know that that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And reinforce it with scripture. Right, right. And and that that doesn't say anything about sanctification. Like you're going to become more like Christ over time. When you grow, when you go from point A to point B in your faith and your understanding, it doesn't mean before that started, it changed your salvation. It just said, well, you weren't as much like Jesus until you went through that experience, and now you are. Uh, And don't think that you're done after you've gone through that. And the the, the Bible says one degree of glory to another. Right, yeah. We're not there yet. We're working on it, but we will get there when Christ returns. Right. I love that. Man, guys, do y'all have anything else to add to all this? I want to read from Grudem here, who's speaking about Jesus. He says, whether he, being Jesus, is speaking to scholars or untrained common people, his responses always assume that the blame for misunderstanding any teaching of Scripture is not to be placed on the Scriptures themselves, but on those who misunderstand or fail to accept what is written. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, thank you for adding that. That was that was really important. Man. So yeah, really great, really great time with you. Again, Rob, thank you for being here. We're so happy that God worked this out. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. We hope that we can have you in the future. We hope that you all were uh, encouraged by this conversation today and feel rooted in God's truth. Um, we really want to just live out John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Go ahead and 
share this with a friend or a loved one so that way others can also be reminded of this truth. We hope that you're encouraged. As always, thanks for listening to the Culture of Truth podcast. Until next time. <laughs> oh my God. Unfortunately, we, we have to hold that in. <laughs>